What's up, everybody? Welcome in to another edition of SSPN Post Game. Another L, Ethan, for the Spurs. But I got to say, probably on this win streak, this has to be our best game. What do you think? Or on this losing streak, excuse me, not win streak. I knew what you meant. Yes, by far and away, overall, best game that we've played. Um, Not without its mistakes. We will touch on those in due course. Uh, But overall, offensively, definitely the most fluid that we have looked. And defensively, at times, um, we were able to get some much-needed stops. I know it wasn't perfect. Trey Trey Young really went crazy there in that fourth quarter, but um, a a lot of improvement in a lot of different areas. And and for me, we texted back and forth from the big four. And by the big four, I'm talking Victor Wimbanyama, Devin Vassell, Keldon Johnson, and Jeremy Sohan. Mm -hmm. I felt like their best individual games together, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's kind of crazy, Ethan, you know, to just kind of emphasize that point a little bit more. And we'll get to some of the comments here. We get a lot of y'all in here. And I think that's probably because of how competitive this Mm. game was. Um, But, you know, throughout the season, we've been talking about how if if Keldon, Victor and Jeremy get to 20, you know, we've won all of those games so far, at least been in them, you know, and tonight you got those three and you got a career high from Jeremy and still lost. And obviously that has to do with Trey Young a lot, just bluntly, we don't have anybody on the roster who can guard him. <laughs> and and there's also a lot of people in the league like that he's just going to do this to because he's Trey Young. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll get into the turnovers as well. But still, like when you talk about offensively, um, this was probably, yeah, this probably was our best game, in, game of the season despite the loss. Good old Jeremy, 33 points. All like literally the best game of his career, Jude, and we still – couldn't pull out the win that's what hurts the most about it yeah and and obviously it's really tough too because like you said he he got the steal Mm -hmm. and you know obviously there's a lot of controversy there with the blocking call we got a couple people in here saying you know he's not square and I think regardless of that I mean obviously that's tough on the angle that I saw I it actually did look like his feet were set like they weren't moving in the moment on the slow motion but I do agree that he wasn't square but when you take into account the turnovers that we had, it kind of just makes all of that a wash. And really, we were kind of yeah. lucky to be in it late. More for me, kind of the end of that game was just a testament to us continuing to fight throughout this one. Because we really had, you know, I felt like when it was 134 to 130, mm-hmm. I was like, all right, can we just wrap this up with 30 seconds left? And, you know, although it didn't go our way, Jeremy gave us an opportunity to try to tie it and get to overtime at the end of the game. I know a lot of people might be like, why don't you pass it in that scenario? But with only six seconds, he just had to go to the rim and try to get a shot up. And unfortunately, the calls did not go our way. And I will admit, because I see our guy July 26 in here as well, he says refs versus Spurs. I will say in the fourth quarter, um, you know, I don't think the refs are the reason we lost the game tonight, but I will say it felt like, kind of in the fourth quarter it went a little bit more of the Hawks way which doesn't help when we had a little bit of the offensive struggles that we had in the fourth quarter um but yeah Mm -hmm. Robert Ball says that Shoning who's the radio broadcaster shout out to Bill Shoning he's a legend um he said that Trey's feet were set so that's his opinion um but, you know, I don't want to get too off topic here, but because we just mentioned Bill Shoning, I realized I haven't mentioned this on here either. Um, shout out to Bill Land, man, calling the game tonight. Mm. He got diagnosed with blood cancer. You know, he's been a staple for you and I growing up, Ethan, and I know a lot of my friends who are Spurs fans. So 
Um, I'm glad that it's something that's treatable. It's not something that's curable, um, but it seems like because it's treatable, you know, it's not just like a, it's a thing where they can still extend your life. Um, so shout out to Bill Land, man, still out there calling games, making them enjoyable. I felt its energy tonight. It didn't feel like anything was different. So no, yeah, he always puts on a great, it's not a performance, but that's what I was going to say. He always puts on a really good play by play game. And, you know, he's been the guy, he's been the voice of the Spurs for you and I, Jude, literally since we first started watching basketball. So um, I think you said it best. Yeah, absolutely. And we know, I, I get where you're coming from still, July, for sure, for sure. Film Room says Bill Land is the GOAT. Absolutely. And then here's another funny note. Uh, my friend Rain here, he says, Hawks broadcast said Sohan, they were saying Sohan's name wrong all night. He was saying they were saying Sochan. Mm. So they got to they gotta get that up, man. They got to get that up. I think even Pat Bebb said his name wrong, too, on Pat Bebb podcast. <laughs> a lot of people sense. say his name incorrectly. And I think we did, too, for quite a bit. That's that's the point I was about to make. But you want to get into the game flow here, Ethan? Talk, talk some quarter by quarter stuff. All right. So there were some positives tonight. Obviously, like we said, we'll we'll get into the turnovers and, and some of the mistakes, but probably the most positive quarter for the Spurs tonight was the first quarter. It was the quarter they won by the most. They came out of it with a 35 to 26 advantage. But the biggest thing that I saw and that you and I were texting about during the game was after the timeout that the Hawks had when we went up. I think like 16 to seven, maybe something like that to start. We jumped on them regardless, had a good start. You know, I kind of felt like, okay, here we go again. You know, they're going to call the timeout and then DeJounte is going to start getting steals. They're going to get hands in passing lanes. Maybe they'll make an adjustment with Clint Capella and Wembenyama, but that didn't happen. You know, they did cut into the lead a little bit, but for the most part, you know, in comparison to how a lot of these other fir- first quarters have gone, for example, the, the Warriors quarter, we did a much better job of mm-hmm. just holding our lead and, you know, walking out with with almost double digits. But still, if you watch the game, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Ethan, I'm going to dish it to you here in a second. But it was much improved after the timeout, at least in the losing streak in the last five games or so. Yeah, that's been the biggest, the most noticeable um, difficulty for our guys in that first quarter and the third quarter is that first timeout adjustments from other teams. We just cannot respond. We responded tonight. Half-court offense looked much less chaotic. We were passing with a purpose. Um, it didn't look like anybody was lost. And Victor Wimbanyama, and really the whole team, but primarily Victor Wimbanyama, being aggressive, getting to the rim. He wasn't really settling for long-range twos or threes. He was putting the ball on the floor, cutting to the basket, and everybody was getting out in transition and trying to finish with a dunk or a contested layup. Um, and it helps when Julian Champagny starts hitting threes as well in that first quarter. He got off to a great start and really had a great game overall. Yeah, yeah, we haven't mentioned him. I mean, obviously, that's another huge thing <laughs> when you talk about... I know that Shetty didn't have the best game tonight. He was only one for seven, I believe one for six from three. And there were some open ones that you would have loved to have there too. But honestly, what does Champagne usually do? He's usually bricking. <laughs> He's usually putting up the stat line that Shetty put up tonight. So they kind of just counts, canceled each other out. And then... You know, Champagne put up what what Shetty usually does. Um, but still, that that was another thing. Like you have 33 from Sohan and you have 15 from from Champagne. That mm-hmm. that was another thing that just made this one tough. Um, what I had written down in my notes was just held the lead better than most of the season in the first quarter. Uh Champagne and Bassey were huge off the bench. Bassey had a lot of big blocks. He was a physical presence there in the first quarter. 
I know later in the game that wasn't as much the case, but still to jump out to that lead, he was a big part of it. Um, and, and holding the lead in that first quarter because it has to do with the bench unit. That's usually when, you know, the, the lead starts getting cut into. So Champagny's threes and Bassey's defense at the rim uh, were super huge in the first quarter. And we saw that, unfortunately, while well, it continued for Champagny, not in the fourth quarter, but throughout the rest of the game, I didn't see it as much from Bassey continuing on, um, but still a good thing to see tonight. Um, and then, of course, Wemby getting buckets and, and bullying Capella, as you talked about. Only thing I would add on to that is I'm surprised Bassey only had four minutes tonight. I'm pretty sure he only played in that first quarter. Ooh. And there was a moment where Victor was really gassed, I think, early in the fourth. Yeah. And we went straight back to Zach, and then we had to put Victor back in pretty much immediately. I'm shocked that they didn't give Bassey any second half minutes because he was playing very good. Maybe I, he's I, hurt. Maybe. I, he didn't look – well, maybe he did look a little bit gimpy. Well, I mean, remember when he got hurt last time, we weren't even sure. But obviously that was a lot more obvious. But, I mean, think about it. I didn't even notice Sohan getting hurt in the last game, and then they held him out. But Mm -hmm. they didn't mention it on the broadcast, which they did for Jeremy. So He did have three fouls Okay, (laughs) in four minutes. Didn't realize that. (laughs) But he was playing high energy. Um, He had one rebound, but it felt like that one rebound just had so much so much emphasis on the game's outcome i I don't know it felt like he had much more well you're explaining it for me because because i was like thinking i was like you know i I don't really remember much from him rest of the game it's because he didn't play didn't play kind of shocking but i guess the three fouls explains it yeah interesting something something to definitely keep an eye on uh moving forward but moving on to the second quarter here ethan 36 to 31 the hawks obviously won this one by five cut into the lead a little bit Um, But still, the Spurs did have a run there kind of late in the second quarter to respond after the Hawks took the lead at 45 to 44, um, which I like to see. We didn't finish the quarter as cleanly as we could have kind of those last two minutes that Mm might have been able, you know, that was kind of the difference from us maybe potentially winning the quarter or losing by five. And that would have been an opportunity, you know, to maybe extend that lead, get closer to, to double digits there going into halftime. So. I I heard Steph Curry on a mic'd up recently in one of the games. I believe it was the Kings game uh, a couple nights ago. And he was talking about how like, hey, these next two minutes are huge for us. And it was like early in the game. You know, I say early in the game. It was it was late second quarter, but still kind of same scenario. Like these are the kind of mini runs that are going to add up at the end. And I was just kind of thinking about that, watching the end of some of these quarters. You, you saw that in the third quarter as well, even though that one was tied up. We'll get to that in a second. But, you know, the, these little two minutes, you know, you may think, OK, we've gone on a little bit of a run. It's going to be good for, you know, these next two minutes before halftime. But that's that's when the Hawks are going to try to turn it up as much as they can to cut into the lead and and they did and it was 66 62 going into going into halftime yeah as mid as atlanta is and that's not an insult they are literally mid (laughs) nine and right right they're 500 um they are still a veteran team with two very talented all-star point guards who understand those mini runs like you're talking about and the importance of momentum so they were able to take advantage of the situations pretty much from start to finish of the game the first quarter was an anomaly we pretty much dominated the first quarter uh, second yeah. quarters where we came back to reality a little bit. Um, defensively, we were a little slow on rotations. We weren't getting as many stops, so our our transition game was not as um, we were, we weren't scoring in transition as much, which 
you know, force us into half court sets and obviously young teams half court sets. That's not where we're flourishing right now, especially with our bench unit. And it really didn't help. Like you said, Chetty Osman, one for seven. Um, I feel like if he has a better game in that second quarter, maybe it's a different outcome for the entire game uh, because he had a lot of moments, a lot of open shots where had he hit, maybe the momentum is on our side to finish that game. However, Devin Vassell, um, he kind of picked it up toward the end of that second quarter. To begin with, he was really struggling from three, uh, but he hit a tough last-second shot to finish off the second quarter that I think bought us a little bit of time, Jude. Had he not hit that shot, maybe we laid down a little bit faster, uh, or maybe we laid, we didn't actually lay down this entire game, but maybe that's like a catalyst. That was the right. catalyst to push us forward into that second half. Yeah, yeah. The things, the other things that I had written down is second quarter didn't start great, uh, but a solid answer to bring it back to 10. That was early in the quarter. Um, and then I think they ended up taking the lead later. Um, 10 turnovers for the Spurs with eight minutes left in the second quarter. That was another thing I remembered from the broadcast. So mm. that's, that's a crazy thing too, because that's only, you know, four minutes into that second quarter. And we, you know, we, we almost had a 10 point lead coming out of the first quarter with all those turnovers. So um, that's another thing that's tough because if you're able to clean up some of those, I mean, that's like five or so possessions that that could also, you know, change the impact of the game like you were talking about. Yeah, 21 to 10 was the turnover um, comparison Spurs to Atlanta for the entire game. But I forgot to mention Jeremy's terrific game kind of started in the second quarter, yeah. at least as far as scoring the ball. And what I loved the most was when he finally was able to play alongside Trey and Zach, he could play off the ball and they were feeding him and he was fighting for extra possessions as well. He was doing his mm -hmm. very best to imitate the other spur that wore number 10 back in the nineties. Uh, who was that guy again, Jude? So the worm, the worm number 10. What was his name? Dennis Rock. Oh, Dennis Rock. That's right. Sorry. He was doing his best. Pay Dennis attention to the it's comments right. a little bit. It's all right. All good. All good. He was doing his best Dennis Robin impression, but fighting for extra possessions, energy plays. And, and those plays is kind of what I guess I said catalyst already, but propelled him mm -hmm. into having such a terrific offensive night. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I don't want to jump too ahead, but I mean, like I think him hitting that three at the yeah. end of the game, like was just a testament to like the type of night that Jeremy had offensively, mm -hmm. because that's something that you told me that pregame or even showed me that shot. I mean, I was just like, there's no way that's going in. And that's a testament to him improving his three this year. I know it's still not like, you know, anything perfect, but I think despite all of the losses throughout this season and the struggles that Jeremy has had offensively, you know, coming into this new point guard role this season, the one thing that we have seen through these first 17, 18 games that is like right in our face is, is he definitely worked on his shot this summer. 37% from three coming into this game, three for three tonight. Yeah. Nezzy says in the comments, Jeremy Curry, anyone? <laughs> his three balls massively improve. I trust his open three way more yeah. than Trey's, Branham's, or Wemby's. That Obviously, is kind of yeah. crazy at, at this point. You know, obviously, I would say that Wemby's probably the smallest gap between those two, but Trey and Malachi this year, I I would trust Jeremy more for sure. Mm -hmm. So far, knock on wood. Now let's get into this second half here, Ethan. The third quarter was really just a score fest for both teams. It was thirty nine to thirty, mm -hmm. so basically forty or thirty nine to thirty nine. Excuse me. So basically forty points for each team, even amount. Um, we were texting about it. 
it was essentially the same as the second quarter, really, just with a little bit more scoring. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, it was even, so the Hawks didn't have their advantage. But in the way of the flow of the game and how it went, you know, the Hawks opened up the second half, you know, jumped on us a little bit. Then we were able to respond, which is kind of the, the theme of this game that we didn't quit the whole time. So that's mm-hmm. that's that's a solid, you know, when it comes to this one and just moving forward overall, if they can continue to do that and maybe use tonight as an example of like, hey, even when we're down four with 30 seconds and they have the ball, if we keep fighting, we can give ourselves an opportunity to win, even if, you know, it doesn't like tonight it didn't work out. But the fact you're even in that position is ridiculous, like I said earlier. So but but going back to the third quarter, you know, in the middle, the Spurs were able to make a run and then weren't able to finish you know, in the way in as cleanly and, you know, to kind of put a stamp on it to win that quarter. And a lot of that does have to do with, once again, the guys that we were playing tonight and some of these guys, you know, like us just not having the personnel to match up with it. Um, but really, it, like I said, it's, it's, it's the same story. Yeah, yeah. The first two minutes and the last two minutes of that third quarter completely belonged to Atlanta. They had the momentum. They were slicing and dicing our defense. Trey Young was going crazy, especially in those last two minutes. He really propelled them into that fourth quarter, and he really didn't stop after that, just continuing to get into the paint, that mid-range area, and finish with floaters or find guys wide open from three. And, you know, as much as I love our lineups defensively this year compared to last year, we're still having issues chasing guys off the three. Like, we're jumping, we're biting on too many fakes. They're They're... They're just, you know, slicing and dicing, kicking out and finding open lanes. So that was obviously a struggle. But the middle eight minutes where we really flourished, my favorite part of those eight minutes, Jude, Wembenyama was finding easy shots from mid-range, it felt like. Very yeah. patient looks. He wasn't really contested. He was taking his time, and he was knocking them down with fluidity. Um, and then, obviously, Jeremy Sohan continued to have a terrific night. And Devin Vassell, with one of the toughest jelly layups and one three on one fast break and he just I had took to tweet that about that all one. Yeah. on his own and that, that was a crazy finish yeah you summed it up you know perfectly ethan and it's just it's the start and the finish you know <laughs> i forgot to mention one guy sorry i forgot to mention no, one go guy. ahead go ahead shout out to zach collins he was really doing a great job dissecting the zone in those middle eight minutes they switched to his own defense. He had seven assists in the entire game. I'd like to know how many of those came in that third quarter because he was literally just getting it at the top of the key or even at the free throw line and just standing there holding it up, looking around, just like waiting for somebody to get open. Because mm-hmm. if you're in the middle of a zone, there's going to be a soft spot somewhere. You know, it's funny on on the live we did yesterday, I talked about how we don't really have people cutting to the basket that too much or, or that much, excuse me. Um, and But the, the ones that did stick out, kind of in my mind were Zach kind of on the Mm -hmm. elbow or at the top of the key cutting to the basket. They did that so much more tonight. Um, You talked about how that that was really emphasized with Jeremy with his off ball movement in the lineup, you know, with Trey and and Zach at center and him at the four. Um, But there were some other guys that cut to the basket too. I believe there were a couple to Keldon as well. Mm -hmm. If that's something that if we emphasize more and, and I think it also just depends on kind of the flow of the game. Like I would have to go, I didn't watch the Kings game and I know that Zach had eight assists in that one. I'm sure that there were probably, that was another game where that was one of like our higher um, amounts of, you know, running cut plays with, with Zach, you know, on the elbow or at the top of the key. Um, Mm -hmm. So I'm not sure exactly 
if it's a if it's a game plan thing or just like you know with our struggles this season sometimes it just hasn't worked out game to game with 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 Zach's struggles that's that's probably as I'm talking about it more of what it is um but at the same time that is something that I'd like to see emphasized a little bit more um just because we we have guys who can attack like like Keldon and Jeremy, who are the two guys who stick out in my my mind tonight, and those are physical guys going to the rim as well. Agreed, agreed. And that brings us to the fourth quarter here, Ethan. Uh, thirty six to thirty here. Um, we didn't start that great, uh, and then it was it was really the same story except Trey Young really took over. Uh, in those last about four minutes, um, he was able to draw any foul that he wanted. Um, he was 13 for 16 from the line tonight. They, the, the Hawks were 25 for 29 overall. We were 21 of 23. Um, and in a close game like this, you know, having, having a, what was it? A six, a six free throw advantage, a six point free throw advantage uh, is an advantage, especially when you got Trey Young scoring 45. Yeah, fourth quarter. I think you touched on it as best as you could, Jude. I mean, that, that sounded like an insult. I'm sorry. You did a great no, job summarizing the fourth quarter. <laughs> That's Freudian slip. Uh, the offense was really pretty good, I felt. But defensively, like you said, Trey Young, pick and roll. We just cannot defend a pick and roll. And I see the comments are talking yeah. about it too. It's been a constant struggle. And I feel bad for Jeremy Sohan. He's a great defender, but against really quick, smaller point guards that are terrific at, at playmaking, like a Trey Young, a Tyrese Halliburton, a LaMelo Ball. He's going to struggle because they're just way faster, way quicker than him, and he's not used to having to guard these point guards like that. And then if you put Trey Jones in there, unfortunately, it's just barbecue chicken. He can't get over the screens. Um, he's too small, and they're just going to pick on him the entire time as well. So we, like you said at the very beginning of this live, we don't have an answer for guys like this. So Trey Young took advantage of his greatest strength, which is pick and roll. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, we, we talked about it yesterday in our live. I mean, how, how that's been a struggle on se- all season with guys getting caught under screens and how that's been a struggle for Jeremy mm-hmm. and Trey. So yeah. when you're going up against Trey Young and they're exploiting that, you know, it, it's not, Unfortunately, it's not anything different that we've seen this season and and not that surprising either. Um, But some other things that I had written down here in the fourth quarter that I forgot about. So at the eight minute mark, the Hawks went on a 12-2 run. So that was great. Mm. (laughs) That was just wonderful. But and and it is good that, that we were able to fight back. But here's the other key. That was when Victor was off the court. Victor came in and that's when we immediately tied it back. And that was another thing that I forgot to mention that was also a theme throughout this game, which I think is a good sign moving forward. Just one game. So you never know what can happen. Um, But with these two back to back, you know, pretty solid games that Victor's put together, it really seems like he's starting to, you know, where you mentioned the mid range shots that we saw. You know, he's noticing more. There's still times where, like I'm remembering in my head, there was a Trey Young layup where he beat somebody off the dribble. And if Victor would have just turned and noticed he was there, it probably would have been an immediate block. You know, there's times on offense and defense where he still doesn't doesn't realize like that he has an opportunity to do something. But like today, there was also a play where they passed it to him, you know, right at the right at the free throw line. 
And, you know, he was like, it looked like when he got it, his first thought initially was like, okay, I'm going to look around and see who I can pass it to. But then he realized there was nobody on him and he just turned around and shot it like a free throw, easy mid-range bucket. We're starting to see more of that and it's starting to help out the rest of the team and make their lives easier. But at the same time, because he's getting better like that, we're noticing his impact when he's off the floor. And and there were a couple times, it wasn't as egregious as it was in this fourth quarter, you know, with the 12-2 run. But at the same time, there were a lot of those moments where we let them back in uh, earlier in the game were, were when he was off the floor. The finishing yeah. quarters, he might have been in there, but that's been a thing all season. But, you know, some of those middle minutes where we maybe let them back in. Um, and I know that wasn't necessarily like the, some of the, like the second or the third quarter, I can't remember which one where we had those really solid eight minutes, but you still get what I'm saying. When we've taken him out, you know, we, we saw some, some deficiencies, which it sucks, but at the same time, it's also good to see that in the sense that, you know, we saw some games where people were able to just take him out of the game completely on this losing streak. Uh, he's definitely getting better. He's, he's understanding his role better. Things are slowing down for him. He's understanding defensive schemes a little bit better. That is, I think you summarized his offensive game perfectly, Jude. Um, but I want to give a shout-out to him in this game specifically. We both jo- – or I joked. I brought you into the joke, but I, it was me. <laughs> I joked about Clint Capella and Oneko Okungwu fighting for who will get 20 rebounds this game. Nobody had more than nine rebounds on the Hawks individually. And Victor Wimbanyama – had himself 12 rebounds tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, he was not being pushed around by either of those bigs for Atlanta. Yeah, I was I was impressed with that. I'm glad you mentioned that because Clint Capella is like the prototypical like, you know, big body center that you feel like. Now obviously I know like you could say like if you look at Zubox and 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 Capella like mm-hmm. cuz you know that Wemby's had his struggles with Zubox and obviously those were earlier season games, you know, if you look at just like their height and weight, it may not look like that much of a difference. But watching tonight, like actually like Zubox does look like a little bit bigger and kind of thicker yeah. than Capella. But still at the same time, like like I was saying, Clint Capella is kind of that prototypical, you know, strength center, catches lobs, gets rebounds. You know, we've seen it throughout his career in Houston and, and in Atlanta. Um, this was somebody that I was like, could this would be an opportunity where – I would expect Victor to get bullied, not to be the bully. So mm-hmm. it was really nice to see that, you know, with him setting the tone from the beginning of the game. And it was also really good to see when we consider the article we read yesterday and Pop's comments on how they want to play him at center more. And we've been seeing that. You know, we saw that um, with with some other lineups, you know, kind of like the, the Trey. It may have not been Devin, but just for the sake of conversation, like Trey, Devin, Keldon, uh, Jeremy, and and Victor and then we also saw that lineup with Zach as well but you're seeing that combination you know whenever Victor needs rest but you're seeing that combination more um so that was good to see also in in just in that perspective that even though as of right now I think he's only around 210 215 um he was able to match up with some of those guys you know what I mean and in in their game if you Mm -hmm. will so that was a that was something I really liked to see and I felt like an improvement um, one of his best games, you know, physically so far this year, considering the matchup. Actually, our whole team, we out-rebounded them 47 to 37 tonight <sighs> and out-assisted them 34 to 24. But they had 10 more steals and we had 11 more turnovers. And the free throws, too. And, and four, four more free throws for Atlanta. Yeah. Let me see what their three-point percentage was. 
They were they shot 42% from three at 14 for 33. And we shot 43% at 18 for 41. So, yeah. you know, pretty even there. It's it's the turnovers and, mm-hmm. and the free throws, at least on the, on the box score there. But the, the last thing that I had written down here for the fourth quarter, Ethan, turnovers, not being able to guard Trey in crunch mm-hmm. time and didn't have the cleanest offensive possessions down the stretch. Um, and that was, I wrote that at around the 134 to 130 mark at 30 seconds left. So obviously got to give a shout out to our guys for, for continuing to fight. Um, and giving themselves an opportunity at the end to at least try to throw up a shot. Um, but that's that's why it was a tough finish, Ethan. But still, um, a, a positive post-game, I would say, Ethan. This is still much better than, than I expected after tonight, or going into tonight. Yeah, I mean, it's not without its negatives, and we touched on yes. them. But overwhelmingly, I'm very happy with this game. Because look at our individual box score. I know people can go home and look at the box score themselves, but just listen to these stats. Jeremy with 33, 8, and 6, and a steal. Keldon, 22, and 11 rebounds. Uh, Victor Wimbanyama with 21, and 12, and 4 blocks. Devin Vassell with 25, 4 assists, 4 rebounds. Like, those are terrific numbers that we need to keep moving forward. It's just fixing the little things. It's chemistry, it's defensive rotations, and it's just not turning the ball over. Yep. I, I don't really have anything to add there, Ethan, but I saw this comment from Robert earlier. Um, he said, what's your take on why we're having so many turnovers? I think it really, <laughs> you kind of just answered it a second ago. Um, it, it, and this kind of comes with, you know, late game, you know, not jumping on ball fakes, not fouling Trey Young, you know, knowing to just, you know, if he's going to beat you, don't, don't, you know, even like on that last foul that he had uh, on Jeremy that, not the I'm not talking about the the blocking or the charge that he got. I'm talking about the like one of the last free throws that he mm-hmm. got where Jeremy yep. just barely tapped into him. And even when I watched it full speed, I was like, no way you're calling that. But when I watch it in slow motion, I'm like, no, that's a foul. I get mm-hmm. it. But that's just the type of stuff that like comes with this the nature and the context of this team. And the only way that that's going to get fixed, Sean Elliott was talking about this, is by making the same mistakes over and over again until you know it really finally just clicks for you and so hopefully this can be the start of some positive momentum um and that can continue to be emphasized and and they can start to get over the hump uh on some of these games coming forward now granted i know we have a pretty tough schedule uh, i think our next couple games might be a little bit tougher than the hawks um i know new orleans is is kind of a 500 team too but i'd say they're a little bit better just the West being a little bit tougher. And I saw Zion had like an 11, 11 for game, uh, 11 for 11 game. Um, so I think that's definitely going to be a tough one. Zion versus Wemby will be interesting matching up with their physicality. Minnesota is going to be tough. That'll probably be harder than Atlanta. Yeah. They're 14 and four. I mean, they're on a roll right now, so that's going to be tough. Chicago, that's a winnable game with the mm-hmm. way that they've been playing. Houston will be interesting because obviously we beat them earlier in the season, but they're playing much better now. Um, but that could be close just because it's a rivalry game. Then you got then you got two against Los Angeles after that. Um, and when I say that, I mean the Lakers. I got to specify for that. Um, so yeah, <laughs> tougher games than the Hawks ahead, but hopefully we can continue to fight and and try to make some of these games competitive and and maybe steal some. And, and continue this positive momentum. But it is tough um, with some of the people that we have on our schedule moving forward. So you got to keep that in mind too. It's kind of tough to keep this balance of of context and and also like 
you know, acknowledging the things that we need to be better at and, you know, holding that accountable, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're doing a great job at it, Jude. Thank you. I I appreciate that, Ethan. I think I needed to hear that. All (laughs) righty, y'all. We will see y'all in the next one. I'm not sure when our next live is going to be. I'm pretty sure we're going to take tomorrow night off, though, just since we've done the past two. Um, But we'll be back with you guys. Let's see. That would be the next game after that is next Wednesday. So we'll probably we'll try to find some time and maybe do another live like we did before um, in between, you know, before that next next game on Wednesday. Uh, And that one is going to be on ESPN as well, Ethan. So as much as I I got it locked down here, I have my ways to watch the Spurs. It'll be nice to to have that on YouTube TV and also have it recorded so I can rewatch it for film study. You know what I'm saying? I be picking up what you be putting down, Jude. For real, for real. Shout out to our man, Robert Ball. He says, hit the like button, folks. If you did enjoy the content tonight, be sure to hit that like button and the subscribe button below. And if you want to stay updated with everything SSPN and all of our Spurs content throughout the year, follow us on Twitter at SSPN on YT, at Jude McLaren, and at Ethan underscore Quintero. We'll catch y'all later. Go Spurs, go.